<laughs> it would be a wolf spot, eh? Hello and welcome everyone to today's episode of Wolves Fancast, part of the Audi Network. Joining me on this, I was going to say cold Sunday evening, it definitely feels um, like we're hitting the winter and I think uh, as I'm joined by Ed, Tom and Luke, we're all feeling the effects of the clock going back, aren't we gents? Yeah, we've all got kids, haven't we? So... It doesn't means nothing. count. Yeah, it means absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's a, how dare they? How dare they not respect that you're supposed to get an extra hour's sleep? Because I'm my body is working overtime right now. But I will do it, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for the fan cast because I'm really keen to talk about the game that happened yesterday. Um, Wolves did draw two all against Newcastle. And there's lots of talking points, lots of discussion to be had. Um, right from the off, to be honest, guys, because uh, Gary O'Neill made a couple of changes um, from the last time out um, with Lamina and Samedo coming in, but Traore starting once again. I mean, Ed, were you happy with the team? Yeah, no surprises. Samedo comes straight back in, Lamina has to come straight back in. They're both nailed on starters, aren't they? Maybe the only talking point was dropping Joao Gomez for, for Bubakar Traore, but Traore played well against Luton uh, and in his cameos this season, so I think he deserves his chance, I think. Yeah, I sort of feel like that, and I think particularly on like Joao Gomez, I mean, it's easy to forget he's still a young lad, and I don't think anyone was almost expecting him to start every game this season. It was only through necessity in a way that he, he's been expected to, but overall, um, yeah, everyone's kind of expecting that that line, won't they, Tom? Yeah, I think the only question is now is how he's going to line those players up, whether it's going to be four at the back or three slash five at the back, depending on how you look at it. Um, and, you know, through what you're saying on Monday Night Football and what he said throughout his time with us is he's always said he wants to be adaptable. So if you've got players that can play in multiple positions, then, you know, the starting 11 isn't the be-all and end-all, you know, because the, the system is, you know, can be can be different regardless. And again, it was a bit of a hybrid sort of system. It's more four, wasn't it, yesterday? And he just put, yeah. eight, he just he just had eight Nori glued to uh, Trippier. So if Trippier pushed up, it was a five. If he didn't, it was a four. Um, and I think generally, I think he got it, he got it about right. Yeah, I think um, it, it felt like Wolves really exploited Newcastle and their slight midweek hangover from European football. And I can't remember seeing Wolves really press a team to that intensity in a long time. It felt like, from the off, to be honest, that they were really up and at them. And I think it potentially it helped having throw away in the middle of the park. He's got a big physical presence. But let, let's talk about Aitnori, because, again, he seems just like a man reborn, doesn't he, Luke? Yeah, definitely. I feel I feel like he's playing with a, a newfound confidence. I think there's question marks um, in the summer over whether he's even going to stay or whether Lopetegui was, was going to get rid of him. So, did Lopetegui have that confidence, have that faith in him? Was he instilling that confidence? Um, possibly not. And it feels like Gary O'Neill's coming. He's, he's really giving that confidence boost. And I, I feel with any player at, at any level, when you're playing with, with confidence, um, you know, you're going to see a, an improvement in your performances because there's a lot of talk of signing Creswell in, in the summer. And Ait Nuri was one of the ones that many fans, including myself, was thinking, well, if Creswell was to come in, then we're going to have Creswell, Ait Nuri, Bueno and Totti, who can even play at left-back. Ait Nuri is potentially the one that we're going to sell. To make room for him, um, but he, you know, he's been given his opportunity and he's been absolutely fantastic. I mean, I was thinking yesterday at, at, at the game, I was talking to somebody at half time and I said, You know what? I really like Bueno, I do Hugo, not the cock nose fucker. 
I really like Gwen Alex. Um, but is there any room for him at the moment with the form that Ait Nuri is in? And I think it's safe to say that Ait Nuri has really cemented that place in the team. And as good as Bueno is, it's going to be very, very difficult for him to get back into the starting eleven. Fit, fitness is the biggest thing, isn't it, Rich? I think that might be the difference. He's he's available for what eighty five to ninety now, whereas he was lucky to get we were lucky to get sixty full full minutes out of him. You know, in his career up until the last what four or five games, I think that's the biggest difference for me. I think I think the talent's always been there, but he wasn't available for the whole game. Yeah, he got. You know, getting subbed off early, or he didn't seem like he'd be able to play sort of two ninety minutes in a row, and. He said it's, it's the difference, and I think even before we switched to three five two. Um, and I, I know uh, Sean in the YouTube comments, big shout out to everyone who's watching uh, live and on repeat. Um, Sean says it makes sense that eight Norway is better in a five. He can afford to be on his front foot uh, with extra coverage behind it. it. It's completely true, but he's looked solid in the back four as well. Like he's not been someone who's really let the side down to a degree. And I think Tom, you're right, but. His defensive play limited Trippier a lot. And I know they, they played midweek three fucking who. Um, but he seemed to really push him back and make, make Newcastle think about what they're doing a lot more than I think they actually anticipated, to be honest. I think Trippier got the highest stats of all. I think the box from what I saw yesterday. The Premier League. Mm. And so, like, the, I don't remember him putting too many crosses in. So, if they give you nullify Trippier, you take out a massive part of Newcastle. Yeah. Um, so, I think he was. I, I thought Trippier right. looked. I, I, I thought he looked average at best yesterday, Trippier. When you're looking at a England international, then if that's the best we've got to offer, I know they've been sort of shoehorning him in at left back, and it's only one performance um, to go off. But he looked so poor. He looked, to me, he looked a yard off the pace and he was full of fouls, even off the ball. If you noticed off the ball when we was countering, he loves a, a pull of the shirt or, you know what I mean, like trying to hold somebody back, um, which I believe indicates that you're struggling. I've always said that, whether you played on a Sunday morning or in the Premier League, if you've got to put your hands on somebody, pull a shirt, hold them back, it's because you're struggling against them. And I felt Trippier really struggled yesterday. I mean, it seemed across the park because, again, I thought that Dan Byrne was similar and he had a, in, a, an off the ball check. And I don't like him. I don't know what it is <laughs> about. He's fucking. He's too tall, mate. That's what it is. <laughs> too I'm not tall. It. He's wank. Just, I don't. I don't quite get the hype around him and. I know, like, don't get me... Because he does funny dances on Sky Sports. That's all it is. Yeah. He's shit. (laughs) In fact, is is it the fact that he's like a six-foot-six left-back as well? Yeah, because he's a a bit of a novelty. He's a bit of a novelty, but Mm. as soon as I saw Neto up against Dan Byrne yesterday, I thought, fucking get in. Anytime booking Dan Byrne on the request to bet, banker, because he cannot handle pace. He, he, he just cannot handle it. It's it's just a fact. And uh, Newcastle fans or whoever can say he's had a fantastic 12 months or whatever. But Dan Byrne is... He is somebody who you need to identify as a target to get at. Because you will get at Dan Byrne. You'll get in behind him. You'll get fells out of him. Um. I, I I love it when we play against Dan Byrne. That's like when we had Traore. Traore up against Dan Byrne, fantastic. Net up against Dan Byrne, fantastic. Um, I, I, I just don't get the high. I really don't get the high. He did he did very well yesterday to not get a booking earlier. There was six fouls that he did before he finally got a booking. And the one he got a booking for was probably the the least of, of all of them. I think he was... um. Yeah, he would. I think Luke spot on. He was being run ragged yesterday by Neto or Huang when they when they switched and and Cunha, and um, he got very lucky in the first half. If I remember that, he kind of plucked a ball out of the air that he looked surprised that he managed to do it. And if he hadn't have done that over his shoulder with his right foot, which he wasn't expecting, then we were in. 
two on one on the on the on our right. So yeah, he's he's a novelty, isn't he? And he's he's a local lad with his local team, and he's he's made the Jamie Vardy route, hasn't he? Up through the leagues, and I think we're all pretending that he's that he's better than he is, and I think Newcastle fans probably know that for them to really move on, he's one of the weaklings that's got to go. The only yeah. reason that he starts is because his backup is Matt Target. Yeah. Who's even yeah. worse. I was going to say, that, that must be like a trip down PTSD lane for those two fullbacks at Molyneux. Like, <laughs> just as fine as we get rid of Adama Troyalway, we have to like, deal with prime, inform um, Pedro Neto. Just, yeah, but uh, it was the intensity across the, the forward players. They... It did feel like they were just targeting them. And I know like Gary O'Neill's come out and sort of said that he wants our wingers to attack. He wants them to dribble. And it just seemed like we kept asking those questions. And I don't know, I, I watched um, a couple of the Newcastle games for the last week or two. And Eddie Howe's always quite good at setting up his teams and especially like getting them on the counter-attack and things like that. And there's one point, it must have been in the first half, just before the goal, um, but the, it was a way the back three worked and they were trying to exploit the space almost that bit between your centre-half and the left-back and Wolves just it just seemed like they knew what Newcastle were going to do time and again and that I guess comes from good coaching and good prep work and not doing the silly little mistakes that, I mean, to be fair but having a third centre-half definitely helps with that as well I think but I know it just felt like Wolves had their number to a to a degree for me. I don't. I didn't see. I appreciate we scored two goals, and we're going to talk about the first one in a second. There wasn't anything about Newcastle where I thought, "Oh, this is, this is a Champions League level side." I'm, I'm not. I'm not being arrogant, am I? I think there's a couple of times where they found some pockets of space in between our defensive midfield, um, where they was able to pick the ball up and then drive at our defence. Almiron did look dangerous at times as well when he was sort of breaking the lines with his running. But like you said, Rich, I think if you're looking at Newcastle as a, as a Champions League team, you know, the, I don't think they, they had us on the back foot for prolonged periods of time. Um, I don't think they really caused us too many headaches or issues. Um, yeah, I think, like I said, uh, the space between our defensive midfield, yes, they did find that pocket a couple of times, but beyond that, I didn't see much to think like, yeah, this is creme de la creme elite level football. Um, I think there's, there's still a, a long, long way off being where they possibly think they are. Um, and, and there's a lot of work to do within that squad. Um, to me, it just seemed like we was playing any team from sort of Brighton, Tottenham, Villa sort of levels of team that, you know, that sort of 8th to 12th. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's how, I, it, how, it, how, it, how it seemed to me. I mean, I, I, we'll talk about the goal, um, the first goal, because... It, it does feel like every other game at the moment, doesn't it, Tom, where there is a point where Sartre is just liable for a cock-up. And even before the goal, he, I remember seeing him spray one absolutely out, out of play and thinking, like, he, he seems to be someone where if he doesn't do something quite right, like, you know, uh, an unforced kick that goes out of play, it just seems to get in his head a little bit and absolutely basics of coming for that ball and not getting it because clearly he'd have had a shout but he, he gave a shout to come get for it and if you're coming back for that you, you, you've got to win it haven't you yeah he had, he had one of his games unfortunately it probably Jose Sars is a very very good goalkeeper the, the reason probably he's playing for us and not as someone perceivably better than us is because of these errors that he has um, I think you say that with a lot of the, the players that, that we mm. tend to pick up. If they're probably flawed in in, in some way, otherwise they'd be playing for one of the, the you know the, the, the real big boys. Um, yeah, it, it's you just you're gonna get two or three of these a season, unfortunately. Although I will say, usually his handling is usually 
impeccable. I, w- I would say I think usually he's coming for crosses and his handling from crosses is usually really, really good. It's a few other things that let him down, you know, like you know, with his feet or making rash decisions and coming out for stuff. Um, so this is probably the first time we've seen a significant error with his handling. Um, it seemed like his hands were even closed before the ball got to him and he just sort of mistimed the catch or something. I don't know. It was just a bit strange and it didn't look like a foul and I knew it wasn't going to be given as a foul and he tried his best to bluff it and, you know, put the ball where the free, he thought the free kick should have been. But um, yeah, it was, was never, gonna say... it was never going to be a select. Yeah, there was a level of gamesmanship there and watching it back on replay, it's like getting checked by VAR. And like I remember seeing it, and Bear will talk about harsh, harsh decisions in a minute. It's like if this somehow gets overturned, because he, I think he actually tries with Priore effectively. I think um, Longstaff doesn't even really make any of much contact. And I thought, I tell you what, if Wolves get a free kick here, we have fucking got one here. And yeah, it it was just silly because it was it felt just against the run of play. It was a nothing ball into the box by them. It, you know, especially when you consider where that ball start, you know, came into the box and stuff like that. It just felt such a needless one to concede, considering how solid we've been at the back um, until that point. Yeah, and, and Totty did his best as well, didn't he? I mean, it's a great finish in the end, yeah, as well, because the, the first the first shot should go in. Totty's managed to somehow get something in front of it, and then it's a hook over your shoulder. You know, not a hit and hope because it's you know he's a very good finisher, Callum Wilson. But even then, we were still bodies on the line, kind of defending. So, yeah, it. I don't know if Jose Sar's been training with England cricket team or something because he, he's put one down there, hasn't he? And, <laughs> but they've embarrassed themselves. It, it's bizarre you say that, and this isn't just me shoehorning in a graphic that I um, stole off Opto Analyst. But they had that goal ranked really highly in terms of its XG rating. And I kind of looked at it like he scored an effectively an overhead kick. I know it's like six yards out or whatever, but you know, yeah, when you I don't, I, do, I don't think, I don't think XG, um, it's, it's based on where you are on the pitch and who's in front of you. I don't think it takes the body position yeah. of the striker into, into consideration. It might count the, the first bit of that might count the one top yeah. box as well. So I think yeah. it's probably a collective of the two rather than the thought, final one. You know, uh, effectively on the XG scoreline, it had um, Newcastle uh, 2.18 versus Wolves 0.98. And again, you you look at the stats, you know, the wider stats of the game. We had, um, you know, more shots on target and, and things like that. More corners. And I'm a bit... I quite like XG for what it roughly does, but it just felt a bit bizarre, especially um, for Lamina's goal as well. So, Wolves, one of the biggest things about yesterday's game for me is how they responded to difficult situations. Because we've seen this Wolves team crumble a lot, um, even under O'Neill. But we've done it, we did it last season, and how they can't really always handle those emotional situations and the fact that we went down twice had a bad penalty go against us had our star man get injured their resilience was just perfect to be honest and how they responded to the goal like they sort of mentioned even the build up for a corner which led to a goal that was so nearly a goal as well yeah last last year we had an argument that we were emotional because we had an emotional manager didn't we under Lopetegui and maybe there's a little bit of a difference now in in their mindset because they don't have quite have that sort of Spanish hothead on the on the sidelines I don't, I don't know if that's an issue or a possibility but we definitely seem to be more resilient than we were even last year when you know we pulled everything out of the irons after Christmas didn't we after the World Cup and and finished comfortably in the end so we, we definitely yeah we fought back when Realistically, you would say that a Champions League team probably should be able to see out a two-one away at a team that you know had a manager with six days to go to the season, and you know we lost Neves, etc. But yeah, they 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 didn't let any of that bother them yesterday. This is an advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. We all carry different stresses, big and small. It could be from work stuff going on at home, or just from supporting a football team. You flattered to deceive, and as the bedsheets have always said, let us down. 
We often bottle up these stresses and try and keep a lid on them. But when you do that, it can start to affect you negatively. That's where therapy comes in. It gives you a place to get these things off your chest, get down to root cause and figure out how to work through what's weighing you down. Therapy is there to help develop positive uh, coping skills. It's not just for people who have experienced major trauma. It's about empowering you to be the best version of yourself. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not look and give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. With over a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Our listeners can get 10% off their first month using the code betterhelp.com slash wanderers. That's betterhelp.com slash wanderers. Let's get back to the show. First corner they've conceded, Newcastle. First set piece they've conceded all season as well, um, which is always nice because um, we don't score many corners. Uh, and no. this is first goal for us as well, which yeah, surprising almost. I was going to say I had that with me like, oh, it's his first goal. It's like, nah, he's got a couple of them. And then like you realize, actually, no, he's actually quite a defensive midfielder these days. But I mean, you sort of mentioned his first. We're not prolific from corners, and even when you look back, I thought in my head it was from the other other way around. It was like a you know a proper in swinger, but he's hit with such a great arc, hasn't he? Um, but Lamina's had and Lamina's had to work hard to get his head up. It's come a long way, and it's beaten Pope's in no man's land. Like we talk about bad goalkeeping, and hey, we you know we've dragged out Sot. Nick Pope was did bad for both of those goals. Yeah, I agree. He's awful with oh. his feet as well. He's, he's not, a bad he's, keeper. He's, uh, yeah, he's, 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 he's good, yeah, all he is is a shot stopper. Yeah, yeah, he's a good shot stopper. He's obviously big lads. He climbs a lot of crosses. Um, the reason he's not dislodged Pickford um, is because he's just he's, he's awful with his, he's awful with his feet. I mean, he had that one where he came out yesterday and got absolutely nowhere near it. Um, they had the yeah. one last season with Raul when he should have been sent off. Um, if I remember right, didn't he? They had a bad game for England as well. well. Yeah, yeah. He's, had, he's, had, he's had a few. So I, I yeah, think and he and he lost. He lost. Did he not do something? Was it Liverpool that he did it and then didn't get into the League Cup final? Yeah, wasn't that him oh, yeah. rushing yeah, out? Right. Yeah, and and that's the reason he didn't get sent off against us because yeah. Liverpool was literally like the, I'm sure it was the week before or something daft like that. Mm. Um, and I'm adamant that he didn't get sent off against us because he that was his. I'm sure it was his first game back. Um, from that suspension, or yeah. once against Liverpool and once against Wolves, that's the other explanation for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know Liverpool, it's like Newcastle have got these grand aspirations of where they want to be with their oil money, and part of it might be bringing in a certain Mr. Neves in, but I know like that feels like now they've got that next foundation up, but they're going to need to improve that goalkeeping situation. And you can see why he did well at Burnley, where all he has to do is just save shots for 90 minutes. But yeah, that, I, I, yeah, his positioning for the first goal was poor. And, you know, It wasn't the deciding factor in the goal against Wolves, because there's a lot of other stuff between you know, him not catching a ball and punching it and going to the back of the net. But yeah, just again, surprising. And he, no track either. Nothing. Nothing in the media because why would we need to be? Um, should we talk about the penalty? How long you got? Uh, well, we're 24 minutes into the recording, so probably an hour if we need to, but. We've got that extra hour we saved, right? So exactly, we've got time on our hands. We haven't got anything better to do on a Sunday evening, and I've got a feeling, Luke, you've got a rant lined up for this, haven't you? Do you know what? As much as I'd love to have a rant, I just think, what's the fucking point? What is the point? <laughs> Nothing's going to change. Yeah. Um. You know, I've put my opinions on Twitter. In my opinion, the laws of the game need. Uh, a, a, a review sooner rather than later. I've had people arguing with me that it's nothing to do with the laws, uh, but the laws state that contact um, 
can result to a foul. And that is the issue. Too many refs, VAR, on-field officials, whatever, giving penalties because of any contact. Now, in my opinion, contact doesn't automatically equal a foul. Yesterday's incident wasn't a foul. In what planet has Huang deliberately gone to foul Fabian Shaw? None. Has he initiated the contact even? I think that's even debatable. If he's even initiated the contact, um, it's a piss-poor decision. And when the VAR takes three minutes to look at a decision to determine whether it's a penalty or not, chances are it's not a fucking penalty. If it's taken you three minutes to see if it's a penalty, best guess is it's not a penalty. So then we're looking down the lines of, is it corruption or is it incompetence? Or is it a mixture of both? Who knows? But it's one of the two. It's as simple as that now. It's either corruption and money from somewhere, be it Saudi Arabia or whatever, is making decisions within the English Premier League or the match officials are completely incompetent. They're earning six figures a year plus expenses to make poor decisions like that. Now, I understand that humans and humans make errors. A defender will make an error. Jose saw made an error yesterday. Matthias Kuna made an error with his some of his finishing yesterday. Uh, players, footballers do make mistakes. But when these referees are on six figures a year plus expenses... They've got the um, assistance of multiple replays from multiple angles. There's no time restriction on when they need to come to the conclusion of the decision, yet they're still making these piss-poor decisions. It's not acceptable. For a multi-million pound industry, product, whatever you want to call it, to be... Every week, the conversation is dominated around VAR. Every single week, without fail now, which shows that it's not working. And something needs to be done to make sure that results and outcomes are not dominated by VAR every single week. If there's more than three Premier League matches in, say, on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday, guarantee there's going to be at least one contentious contentious decision that's going to invoke heavy debate. Now, the only thing left to decide is, is it corruption where it's just blatant cheating and somebody somewhere is paying money to determine the results of the Premier League matches and the final league table, or is it incompetence? And it can only be one of the two. And now somebody needs to make that review and make that decision of what it is and get to the bottom of it. So are we dealing with corruption or are we dealing with incompetence? So we need to find out which one of the two it is Hopefully it's not both. Which one of the two it is? And then we need to get to the root of that problem. Because me personally, if if I'm the um, CEO or whatever of a multi-million pound product, why am I going to pay people six figures a year plus expenses to be so incompetent? It makes no sense. And that's all I've got to say, to be fair. It's bullshit. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, when you've got Alan Shearer even saying, yeah, it ain't a penalty. I mean, uh, I, I think Gary O'Neill kind of summed it up really well. Because, you know, I, I, honestly, listeners, I don't actually like talking about refereeing decisions. I don't like boring, talking about it. It's boring. It's every it's week. Repetitive. It, yeah, we, we don't get anywhere because... And Gary O'Neill sort of sums it up. Second goal is never, ever a penalty, ever. Um, terrible decision on field and, and from VAR. Uh... And it's like, the fir- to give the penalty in the first place, he doesn't need to do it. And I think that that's the bit which I, I find so frustrating about VAR. And, you know, Stu will tell me it's, oh, it's, it's an IFAB directive and it's about clear and obvious errors. But that penalty, like, in real time, you go, okay, well, maybe it's something. 
but maybe it isn't. And he's given it. And all right, cast it aside. I'm not quite sure what Huang's doing in that position. Like, it's it's a bit it's a bit old Huang, isn't it, Tom? <laughs> yeah. Um, it, that, I mean that. Yeah, we've brushed over that. It was it was pretty awful, wasn't it? That was unfortunately. Um, he takes a touch, which isn't great, and then he spends about well, it seemed like five seconds. Obviously, it wasn't that long, but it felt like that long just to try and think where he's going to pass it. And he swings a boot, stops. Um, yeah, so that's bad. But it's 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 such a it's such a bad decision. I will. I'm only going to defend Anthony Taylor slightly because he did that. He had an awful game for me. Anthony Taylor had no control of the game. He only started booking people with a few minutes left. So, you know, yeah, yeah, he couldn't control the game whatsoever. Um, I actually thought when I watched it live, it was in front of me. It just looked from my angle. I'm South Bank. Uh, sorry, I'm um, Steve Ball, South Bank end. It looked like a penalty in real time. But then when you look at the replay, and you only have to look at it maybe once or twice from mm. maybe one or two angles. It's no, it's not a penalty, is it? His standing foot actually, if you go in on like he gets the ball first, his standing foot actually hits the ball before there's any contact whatsoever. So for me, that's already a reason not to do, not to give it. Shah's literally dived into his leg to try and initiate a contact, and his leg isn't moving forward at that point anyway. Yeah. So it it ticks, it ticks so None many boxes. It's it's, it's, un yeah. it's unbelievable, but it's Gillet, isn't it again? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I think he had to. Catch a quick flight to bloody Saudi to uh, get Fury winning on points on the fight last night. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's, 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 he's clueless, there's, that guy. I've not seen they, didn't they, they drafted him in for Australia because he yeah. was yeah. highly rated or something. It's, yeah, he's I the mean, one that Stu was going on about. Absolute joke. He's the one for Lamina, wasn't it, as well? Um, yeah. For me, it was the textbook example. That was a textbook example of, I think you need to look at that again. Because I think I, I'm not 100%, you know, I'm looking at it after three minutes and I'm I'm pretty much on the fence. You need to look at that again and see. And I guarantee if Taylor had seen that again, he, there's no way he'd have given that penalty. 100%. See, I still think he would have given it, you know. Yeah, you do you would. think? Yeah. I think the whole, the original decision is an ego thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's, I'm the man, I'm going to make that decision. I'm going to say that's a penalty. And the, for me, the, the way the refs are using it, I think it is mostly corruption, is it's... They're using VAR as a way to bail them out if they do make a cock up when it should be the other way around. I'm not sure, lads. Have a look at it. That's all you need to do. That's what any other mo any other sport that uses a VAR equivalent. That is what it's there for. It's there to do the check when a referee just presses his ear and says, "Lads, I'm not sure. You know, guys, I'm not sure. Tell me, tell me. We can take a, we can take three minutes out to have a look at it." While it's going on, you do that in the background and we'll let the game go on. But he's made that call. And then the, the reason that it never gets overturned when they go to the monitor or when, you know, they're not sent to the monitor is the ego thing, isn't it? Is you've made that decision. You're the man. You've made that decision. You're the man in black in the middle. I, I, yeah, it's not a pen. I think there was a, there's an angle this morning on um, that I watch when I watch match of the day. Juan kicks the floor, not the player. Mm. So there's, a, there's yeah. another reason to not give it the, it shouldn't take three minutes either. Luke was spot on with his first point. If it's taking three minutes, there's enough doubt. Um, stupid. But, uh, I mean, even if you want to argue, yeah, but there was contact and, you know, if there's contact, it's a penalty and you want to be that sort of fucking dickhead. No. Um, as a sport, as a spectacle, whether you're playing or viewing, regardless of whether it's for your team or against your team, you don't want to see those sort of penalties given, do you? Or even free kicks, regardless of whether it's a penalty or not, or even free kicks, you don't want to see those sort of um, calls made. It's it's poor, really, really poor. Yeah, I, I, I just think, I find it so frustrating, and we've had some really great uh, comments on YouTube about it, you know, around, you know, they hide behind the term clear and obvious error, because... It, it, it's, it's clear it's so... and obvious. Why does it take so long to, to, to come to a decision? Yeah. That's such an ambiguous term as well, isn't yeah, it? Clear it's, and obvious. It's so undefined, isn't it? Because it's like, well, who's it? You know, what what is clear and obvious? And I'll tell you what's clear but... and obvious. That the game is corrupt. <laughs> That's clear and obvious. <laughs> yeah, and I, it just, I find it infuriating. And, you know, we had a comment uh, from uh, Steve Kelsall. 
you know, rugby shows how effective tech can be. They have clear communication. The ref isn't ego driven. And you, know, you hear it when they talk about it. And I, I've got no issue if the ref, right, I, I don't think it was a penalty, nor does 95% of people, but if he wasn't given a penalty, but it turned out that on a replay, that Huang had, you know, swung and kicked him instead of kicking the ball away. MRF goes, something happened, but I'm not quite sure what it was. Fill me in, and then I'll review it. But it just, it, I just don't understand. You say the ego, the lack of humility, just to go, actually, let's, instead of me giving the decision, because once I've given it, it's actually really hard to go back. But it seems, e- it should, in theory, it should be easier to not make the decision and then get the help because you at least let the game flow and it can be checked. And I just, I know it's not change, It's not going to change anytime soon. We keep having this, you know, big circle. Um, and it just it just impacts the game. And actually, I think, I, I, I differ actually in terms of VAR. I actually think it's quite good for the game, personally. If you've got it. The key word from Stu's comment there, communication. Listen to the communication of a rugby referee and they say, oh, well, rugby players are more respectful. Do you know why they're more respectful? Because when the referee has made a decision, he communicates it clearly to, to the player. This is yeah. why I've given this, because of X, Y, and Z. Now, as a footballer, if a ref is to say, I've given the foul because you clicked his heel and, you know, you caught it, you made him lose his balance and then lose possession of the ball. Okay. But the communication from football referees at every level throughout the pyramid Fucking terrible, absolutely terrible. Yeah. And if 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 refs can learn to communicate better and and manage that environment better, there'll be less issues. And to me, the key thing, like Stu said, the communication, the difference in communication with, between rugby union and football, and that is why rugby is officiated in such a better manner than than football is. It's absolutely sucking the fun out of it as well. Luke, I know you coach, you know, boys and girls teams. We aren't going to have a game anytime soon if it carries on like this because it's not fun anymore. No. It is not fun. It is boring. You go to a game and you someone scores a goal and you go, hang on, let's not jump about just yet. Let's let's wait 20 minutes. And kids aren't, kids aren't going to have that joy anymore. You're not going to enjoy goals going in anymore you're going to be like oh, all you had to do before was look at the linesman you know or yeah. the assistant yeah. referee and yeah. now you have to be like oh, hang on i'm gonna let me check my phone i'm gonna check twitter i'm gonna check x sorry i'm gonna you know check in when my mate is watching it on the tv at home it's, it's so boring to talk about anthony taylor and not huang's goal or even callum wilson's sort of overhead kick almost goal do you know what i mean we are talking about an ex-prison officer and whether or not he makes the correct decisions or not. It's so boring. It, I, no one goes to the games to watch him referee. And that's the problem. The, the best referees are the ones that you don't notice. Yeah. When you don't notice that the referees on the pitch, that's because he's, he's doing a good job nine times out of ten. They are the best referees, the one that you don't notice. But now we're in a position where the referees are becoming bigger superstars and some of the star strikers in the Premier League. And they're getting more column inches. They're getting more... Certainly getting more debate on podcasts, it seems like, because of yeah, their I don't want to know their names. You yeah, don't want to know their names, do you? But you know, Anthony Taylor, you know, you probably know his his cock size, his missus, <laughs> you know, where he grew up, what school he went to, you know, everything about them now because they have to be the star of the show. And I'm guessing it's fucking small. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, to, to put all this back in a little bit, as I mentioned, there are two great things about this game for me. A, Wolves resilience, because, yeah, we came back from behind twice. After the amount of times we'll say, crap decision, go against them. They've not quite found everything. The second thing, I can't remember if me and Tom might have spoken about this before, is when teams score a goal against you, but you can't imagine Wolves scoring. And they did that yesterday for me. And that Huang goal. Firstly, the like back heel flick by Lamina. Just we don't even need to cover that. 
when he gets punched out and Lamina's got actually a really tricky task because he's facing his own goal. It's coming up high. He doesn't have a lot of options. But just to like do a casual back heel back into play, fantastic. Then you've got Toti Gomez who decides to turn into Iron Robin. <laughs> who fucking saw that coming? Yeah. On the right as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the first time I've never seen him look clumsy on the ball as well. I love Tuttle, yeah. but he normally looks like he's about to fall over. But yeah, he was in complete control. It was like he went, "Oh, I know exactly. This is. I've been waiting for my opportunity to play on the right wing after playing at centre half <laughs> and left back. Um, and then Huang, you know, impersonating Prime Helder Costa, but the ball that Toti Gomez plays and. It almost feels, in a way, like training ground in terms of Huang making that run, um, and then sort of checking back. Dan Byrne goes sliding out of play, but I can't remember the last time I saw Wolves score goal like that, and that that gave me a lot of joy, um, as much as anything and everything else about that goal. The cutback was unbelievable. If if someone you know, if Salah had done that, it'd be all over Twitter for the next week. So it, it would have to be Salah's about. right foot as well. It has to be <laughs> Salah's. That's his left foot as well. Remember, <laughs> that's yeah. So he just chops back without, I don't know, just without almost you seeing it. It's it was it's incredible, really. And he was having a stinker before that. I was I was sort of I turned to a mild man not not long before that, and I was like, we're gonna have to take him off because there's a few times we just ran into like people, or there was like a simple pass on, and he smashed it, or he. Miscontrolled, he had the penalty, but then just pulls that out of the bag. Um, so yeah, fair play to him. It was great as well to see all the team really go up for the goal as well. And they all went at the corner, didn't they? Slide, and I think there seems to be a real, real togetherness. And he went Neto went down injured, you know, they were all all around yeah. him and, and everything. I think that there does seem to be a real connection there between management, players, and and fans. Um, so yeah, it seems to be going in the right direction. Yeah. Is he is he our best finisher we've had since E Banks Blake? You know, natural finisher, because he really is a natural finisher. Mm-hmm. The only thing he could do before this season was put the ball in the back of the net, and that turn is. Tom's right. I think if if Salah does it, it'd have to be with his right foot, cutting in with his wrong foot and slotting it in the corner. It's, it's, it's such a good finish. It's such a good finish, and I don't think enough's being made of it. It's ridiculous. Isn't his conversion rate something like mid forties or something bizarre? Like I can't remember him shooting other than that goal yesterday. Um, no. His conversion rate's like un- like unbelievably high. Like yeah. he's out- outperforming his his xG by like an insane amount as well. I think. Yeah, but it wouldn't surprise me. It sounds silly. It's a really good trait, isn't it, to find those little positions, but. Even for someone like Quang, like we'd have probably seen him rush it, like six months ago, and try and have it on his right foot the first time, and maybe Burn gets a block and we get a corner. But it it takes a player with a lot of confidence to do what he did to check back inside and have that little bit of composure to finish. It's it's felt really similar to oh that. That goal he scored against Liverpool when he was at Salzburg, which I think kind of slightly put him on the map, where he yeah. sort of completely sells um, Van Dijk for a dummy as well. Yeah, and again, he just doesn't quite do it enough, and it's like little things like that where he is just someone who is playing at the top of his game. He's got that confidence, but Tommy Wright, he didn't have a great game, like by his by his own standards recently. He was at fault for the penalty, whether it, you know, we'll agree if it was probably a harsh penalty, he still messed up in the first place for it. But again, to, to not let that impact his game, and with respect to Wank, he's sort of player might go hiding after something like that. But step, stepped up to the plate in a, in a big, big way. Yeah, his his character arc is ridiculous, isn't it? Where Hines come from, and he just seems to be, he just seems to be getting better and better in terms of at least the output of results. Because, like you said, that was not 
that was not what you'd have expected from him, you know, this time last year. And it, yeah, I, I, the only obviously down point that you're probably going to come on to at some point, which is the Neto injury. But, you know, we do have a finisher there. So hopefully he'll cont- long mate continue. What is it? Six in a row? Is it for Hwang as well? Yeah. Six in a row at home. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. Isn't he called um, John Richards' record, I think? For, uh, top flight goals yeah. in a row at home. Yeah, I think so. Um, so, yeah, because he scored at Everton. So Everton last game, last home game last last season, and then he scored in every home game this season. So what my lad yeah. said to me today. He said, um, he said, Wang's going to get sold for some big, big money. He reckons we're going to sell him for some big money. And I told him, I put my Tim Four hat on and I said, he sold his soul to the Illuminati. Because ever since he's been doing all that shit with Gucci, he started scoring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, um, the, the other Huang stat is that he scored six Premier League goals this season, his best return in a single campaign in the competition, which is a bit wild, to be honest, in his third season with the club. Um, five of his six goals have come at Molyneux with no player scoring more Premier League um, home goals so far this season. So, yeah, so, such a such a strong player. And I think he said the um, the only genuine downside was um, Pedro Neto's injury. And I say we've all been there. The sound in the stadium when he when he pulled up because you we've been there. It's usually in the tenth minute when you're hungover and you've you know you've not warmed up properly. But to see him kind of literally go full flow and just quite literally see his hamstring pull up. I think the you way, even like listening back here to the commentator. I felt I felt like we was gonna score off that attack, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, me too. Oh my god, bro, my heart. We were four on three, I think. Yeah. Four on three and Dan Burma's backpedaling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who, who are we doing that? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I sit, I sit in the north back now, so I, I net I picked the ball up on the right, and he was about 25 yards out. He started cutting inside, <sighs> probably to get the pistol kept me now. But I stood up out of my seat because you know, we sit there in the north bank, we've civilized. <laughs> <laughs> so I, stood up out of my seat. I even put my arms in the air because I'm thinking something's got to happen here, and then you, you just see him grab the back of his leg and. Heartbreaking, like I, I don't think I looked at the pitch for a good couple of minutes. But did Newcastle even kick the ball out or did they carry on playing? No, we carried oh, on playing. Yeah, no, we it. carried on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, part of me does have a lot of respect because I think hearing the noise of the commentators and in the stadium where it was like because it was clear what had happened, and it you know, there, there's like no doubt that like he isn't faking it, and you do, I guess, always when like. Let's you know when there's a 50 50 or whatever, and you see the player go down, you're like, Oh, he's he's he, you know, he's he's trying to win one. It it was so clear that he was injured, what injury done, the prevalence of it. But Wolves, like, yeah, but we're also attacking <laughs> and want to see this through to be honest. And like, part of me did admire it, but also, it's like Pedro Nettle is. Sort of a play we quite like on the pitch scoring. Um, yeah, just part of me loves it. Because you know what? We just got to try and take the positives out of it. Gary O'Neill mm-hmm. said that he was walking around the changing rooms, mm-hmm. which is a massive positive. We've got an international break coming up, which is going to give us uh, an extra week or so. Um, and obviously, take away a game week where we can recover. So, on the positive side, he could be back in four or five games. I think I think it's going to be less than that. He, uh, Pedro Neto has tweeted or xed, um, however you like to describe it, saying, um, "Apart from all the noise, I am here to say st- uh, to say that I will be out for a couple of weeks, but very soon um, I will be out there stronger than before. Already focused on my recovery. See you soon." So I think it is very much a pulled hamstring. So he's going to probably be out for two to three weeks. I, I think which Martin. Is- Martin W is making some good comments in the comment section. He said we would have won if Neto stayed on, and I believe Ooh, we would have. Interesting. I really believe we would have. I felt we had the momentum was 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 in our favour, and he's also said 
which I think you can't argue against. I'm not being negative now, but he's prone to injury now. And as soon as, soon as uh, because I'm a sad bastard, yeah, as soon as he got that injury, in my mind, I just imagined the um, football manager's scout report, yeah, where it says, maybe prone to injuries. And I thought Neto is 100% having that trait on the next update. Maybe, what is it? Maybe susceptible to injuries or something. Yeah. Yeah. It'll have the medical cross in the circle and stuff. Yeah. I mean, because Lamina pulled up with cramp at one point, like after Neto's injury as well. And I I appreciate that they ran a hard game. And like, I I, I have no idea on the stats, I'll be honest, um, everyone, but they, they look like they put max effort in and. I know he's making he... almost knee. See the strapping yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucking a knee brace on. Hmm. So yeah, I'll do it. Shows what O'Neill thinks of uh, Santi at the moment. <laughs> 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 he can't get on when uh, when we've only got a centre off of one leg. <laughs> I would say the um, the contrasting styles for uh, Sasha Kladnic coming on for Pedro Neto, I I did enjoy. Because um, they are such um, different players, but did Wolves have a good shot for a penalty towards the end on Sasha Kladnic? Personally, not. I feel like if you give that, he will win you about three penalties a game just on his height alone. Um, but I think with the Pedro Neto one, um, all right, we, we've got. Six days until our next game. What's everyone thinking in terms of Mr. O'Neill's tactics? In terms of replacing him, do we think that maybe <coughs> Bella you know, Bellagardin on the right? I think that's the only change you can make, can't he? Like, I don't, mm. he ain't going to play Sarabia. Um, oh God! The only other one is you you, you put you put Cunha out wide, but then if especially after watching Monday Night Football. It's more about what Kuna does off the ball by the looks of yeah. it, um, yeah. and there's no way Sasha's doing that job. Not even when he's not. Get your head down, son. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like Sasha, and I, I, I like him as a player and as a guy. He's got a job, and it ain't that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's getting get a very big lad. Imagine, imagine Sasha picking the ball up on the right, dropping a couple of, yeah. of step overs and just knocking it past the man and getting his head down and running onto it. Imagine <laughs> him against Dan Byrne on the wing. Imagine the foot race. But, if I wasn't a Wolves fan, I'd want to see Sarabi just to see how uh, little Dan copes with it all, uh, personally. But um, I don't want to see him in a Wolves shirt ever again. I ain't going to lie. No. Cost on the block. He's dog shit. But it's it's it's, it's got to be Bellegard. Get Bellegard yeah. on the right, and just say, "Go on, son, just do whatever you want to do." Yeah, the only way, the only other way I thought he could do it is if he did five at the back and then three centre mids. So you play, mm. um, you know, you you, you play Lamina, um, probably Gomez and and Doyle, and then you play. Or you could put you could put Bellegarde a bit further forward of that three potentially, and then you yeah. play um, Huang and and Kuna up front. That line of uh, to be fair. Mm. Yeah, but it's, it's 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 an option, isn't it? Like yeah, you know, adaptability. Yeah. I was going to say yeah. Doyle sort of deserves somewhat of an honourable mention as well because it's not he didn't do very much, I guess, in those first couple of sub appearances, but seems to have been someone who stepped up to the plate um, in recent foot. Uh, games, I think partly he did come to a club still carrying an injury and he seems to have taken his time. But I think you, you mentioned earlier, Tom, in terms of uh, it, it, O'Neill's tactics and wanting that variety, it does feel like between Doyle, Traore, Lamina, Gomez, there's a few different combinations that work in there, a couple that probably don't, but they all offer something slightly different. And I think that's going to be really big moving forwards. I think Tommy Doyle against Sheffield United, you got to, ain't it? He yeah. used to play for him. Mm. And as well, one thing that did annoy me with Neto yesterday was he was taking a couple of set pieces off Doyle. And Doyle came on, he put that one excellent ball yeah. into the box. And then Neto mm. was taking the next ones. And you're thinking, nah, Pedro, 
like this this boy can this boy's got a set piece on him like leave him just just leave this to to Doyle but yeah. Pedro is is in the void you know what I mean he wants to be him at the moment and I, I get yeah. it I get it and it ain't like Neto's got a, re, a, a poor delivery Neto's got a, a, a good set, delivery set yeah. <laughs> but yeah I think I think Doyle's delivery probably does just edge Neto's and it was just a bit not for, yeah, it was a bit frustrating that um, he took a couple of set pieces off Doyle's foot yesterday. Yeah, I think. He... But that, you know what, Tom? I think that's a great show. Maybe going three in the middle with the two up top. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, 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 it's an option, isn't it? Although we do, we, a lot of our goals have come from from wide areas and cutting in. And mm. That's the only thing I'd say about that. But you, yeah. yeah, I was going to say and what that... I wouldn't be keen on, and it almost this feels very, you know, Nuno a year into a Premier League going with you know very similar to what you said two up top of Huang and Kuna back five and then a midfield three of well Doyle Trail Ray Lamina or and, and it just feel very stodgy rigid yeah stodgy a bit rigid in that midfield to really kind of have that exploitation. I think if you go back I think if you've got Bellegarde who can almost drift left and right and alongside Kuna and Huang, it, it feels like that's the most natural. But with that rigid midfield, you could you could almost give Eight Nuri license to play aggressively high. Mm. Well, no, yeah. I was going to say that would be very much yeah. a, a three at the back. I mean, I feel a bit sorry for Sheffield United in a way because they they've got they've, they've got a shit ton of injuries and solve their best um, <laughs> best two players, and we've got one of their other best players from last season as well. And Can you feel sorry for him in a couple of weeks' time, rather? Than, nah, yeah. 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 I, I mean, I mean, I, my sorriness will kind of extend about as far as that. But to be honest with them, because you know that that's a team who Wolves need to be putting to the sword um, and we kind of stretching. To be honest, because uh, everyone should. It's been a long time since I don't know if it's ever happened where a team's got one point after ten games. It's not the last team to do that was, was Sheffield United. Yeah, yeah. Was it on match for day that this is the worst start to a Premier League season um, since Sheffield United's last time? Mm. Yeah, the se- it was their second season under Wilder, wasn't it? When right. they got yeah. found out for because their centre backs used to run a bit and stuff. That was yeah. all the tactics. <laughs> That was their that was their groundbreaking tactics that were were found out quite quickly. Yeah, I was gonna say they get cut off on my graphic because I've basically done the teams who are who walls can reach and who they're in reach of. Uh, because of anything under sort of sixteenth at the moment, we are you know we're we're plenty ahead off at the moment. But I think at the moment now we're ten games in, a lot of football's been played. That middle pack is still very condensed. The walls are right in the thick of it. We're twelfth at the moment. I sort of think we're where we should be overall. Not not necessarily, you know, with the context of what happened pre-season to a degree. But I think walls are very cemented in that twelfth position. And I think how much we differentiate from twelfth throughout the season is going to be. Depending on how good a manager Gary O'Neill is, because um, I think he's done really well in terms of steadying the ship. We're obviously a relatively consistent team now. The goal difference is concerning, but we've had those opportunities. But at the same time, look at Man United's goal difference. And I think as well, if you look at the, there's, there's teams down there with goal differences of like minus sixteen already and minus twelve. So for me, the goal difference isn't isn't a concern. I think where mm. we are at the moment is I think ninety percent of Wolves fans would take that after thirty eight games to finish twelfth. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, I was looking at the league table myself this afternoon, and I thought, you know what's really good? Um, we're looking, we're looking up the table more so than over our shoulders, because obviously we're on a run of form, and it's it's natural to get carried away. But when you look at the start of the season that we've had, we've had the hardest start of all the teams within the Premier League. So I know football's played on grass and not on paper, but on paper we've got an easier sort of next 10 than the first 10 that we've had. 
So with how the league's going at the moment, what's stopping us from catching Man United in three or four games time and catching who else up there like Brighton and West Ham, West Ham's and, and stuff like that? Because let's be honest, West Ham two points in front of us. Are West Ham any great shakes? No. Are Brentford any great shakes? No. Chelsea, they're just frigging ridiculously embarrassing. Basket case. Yeah, Man United are poor. Look at that. five wins, five losses, minus five goal difference after ten games so, for Manchester so United. I hadn't even noticed that Man United were five wins and five losses. That is bonkers in it terms is. of how uh, Man, you know Manchester United have lost more games than everybody in that graphic, apart from Everton. And look how crap Everton are. <laughs> um, so we've we've a bit of luck along the way. A, a, a bit of good form from a, a couple of players, you know. If if Kuna can maybe start getting a couple of goals, if Wang can carry on his little purple patch, what's to stop us sort of overtaking Man United in four or five game weeks' time? I don't think there's there's anything. But I do understand on the flip side, you've still got to be wary that we could always go three or four without a win, and before you know it, Forest, Everton, and Fulham have caught up with you. But with the way that the club's going and with the start that we've had, the hardest start out of every team in the Premier League, man, we had. Um, you know, I think it, it's it's good to be able to look forward and I feel like it's, it's it's been quite a while since we've been able to look at the league table positively as a Wolves fan and think, where can we climb to now? Where can we progress? Because for the last, I'd probably say for the last 18 months at least, it's been more a case of who's going to catch us. More so than who can we catch? Yeah. But I, me personally, if 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 that league table said thirty eight played thirty eight, and we had twelve position next to us, I'd take it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think say when when you put it in context of the preseason, I think you're right. And, and to be honest, I think the table will most likely finish similar to that, and I think the teams. Who are in those positions, like you know, us and Crystal Palace are in that mix, aren't we? Where we are, you know, a tenth to thirteenth teams, and that's what I sort of say. I think it's going to be dependent on how much more Gary O'Neill can eke out of this team, and I don't quite know to be honest. And that's not a criticism of Gary O'Neill because I think he's doing a very good job and he's doing a lot of interesting things. Yeah, but Rich, where is he on the gonometer? <laughs> he's, in green, he's in green and yellow. He's in that lovely little bit. Just look, just to put on the record, a gonometer doesn't necessarily mean you want him gone because you can be at the one end or the other. <laughs> the it's not hard, guys. It's not hard. <laughs> it was a it was a silly joke, guys. Oh, I can't believe how much view that actually caused, man. <laughs> People losing their shit over a graphic on the internet. Classless. Classless. <laughs> it was a silly joke I thought of. Um, no, but... Rich, Rich. Uh, you got to own it, mate. It's fucking brilliant. Own yeah. it. It's staying yeah. there. It's staying. It, Fuck them. I mean, if anybody don't like it, goon bollocks. You know what? It's staying. Luke, Luke, come to me when the bounce in six weeks' time. And he's in the red. Yeah. We all hate him again. No. Sack the board instead. The God of Just because my head put Gary O'Neill gone. That 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 is as far as the stretch was, and it did get a little bit out of control. Rich, it's it's uh, at first, <laughs> you know, you thought you dropped a bollock, <laughs> but it's all right. <laughs> oh, no. Look, yeah. okay. honestly, eyeballs. Content is king. It's fine. Hundred percent. It's fine. I'll I'll take. I'll take those bullets, don't worry. And I've always got you, Luke, to back me up anyway. 100% mate, fuck him. <laughs> We're in it together. <laughs> We're in it together. It doesn't even matter. We've got to meet is here. To say. You know what? Even when he's gone... Well, we, I was going to say... Even I'm, I'm, when he's look, gone, keep look, it and just change change his picture to Eric Ten Hag <laughs> or whoever our next manager will be. He is gone now. But I mean, hey, look. Man, just never asked forever. I don't care if I have to hold on to no, the graphic for... 15 years. Um, but no. Um, right, before we wrap up, um, I'm going to throw it back over to you, Luke, um, because you've got an exciting new announcement um, at AFC Wolves, haven't you, mate? Yeah, so 
in the new year, we are introducing Girls Only Sessions to follow on from the success of our development centre, which is every Wednesday night at Wolverhampton College, 6 till 7. If you're interested, football sessions for boys and girls aged between reception and year five, register on the website. But in the new year, we're introducing Girls Only Sessions and we're looking to grow the girls section of the club and it's something that we're really excited about as a club so so yeah so thank you for highlighting that for us and if anybody's looking to get their daughter their niece sister whoever involved in football then feel free to come down and check out our sessions in the new year yeah definitely guys um yeah so if, if it applies to you um or even if it doesn't but you might know some definitely pass on the word but until next time uh, which will be to preview the Sheffield United game um, probably sort of Thursday at this point. Um, that's it from us. So make sure you're following Wolves Fancast on our social media and make sure you like, share and subscribe as well, of course. Uh, until next time, though, it's goodbye from Ed. Yeah, see you guys. It's goodbye from Tom. See you all. It's goodbye from Luke. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you next time, guys.